Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is another episode of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that continues to sweep the nation. Uh, thank you, each and every one of you, for making us part of your day, your ritual, your usual habits. Hopefully, it's a late Wednesday, early Thursday habit. Well, I don't, I, actually, I don't care. Friday, Saturday, whenever. Downloading, listening, reacting, interacting, liking, favoriting, comments. Uh, thank you guys for spreading the word on this podcast, and we do so appreciate it. This is One Man's Opinion, episode number 131, 131 episodes. Man, I've covered a lot of ground. Uh, can you believe I haven't been canceled yet? And I've talked about race and religion. I've talked about a lot of stuff on this show and uh, not got canceled yet. How about that, everybody? Yeah, take that, haters. Uh, mostly because it's my opinion. You really shouldn't get canceled for something you believe. It doesn't mean anybody else has to, but we'll help people along the way. I am Jeff Mans. By the way, you hear me weekday afternoons, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Channel 87. I host Elite Sports from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern there. Also Sirius XM Fantasy Football pregame show on Sunday mornings with Bob Harris. Also part owner and chief content officer over at fantasyguru.com. Right now, 50% off packages, betting, and DFS together. Basically, buy one, get one. If you buy betting, you get DFS free. If you buy DFS, you get betting free. And we just lowered prices. So not only are you buy one, get one, you also get the discount of price, which is pretty darn nice. Seasonal fantasy as well. If you want to get in and just get our data, uh, our game script articles and data, weekly rankings, it's worth the 20 bucks. I mean, it really is if you're not a seasonal subscriber over there. That's the easiest purchase you should ever make, you would think. But uh, I spend more net at Dutch Bros getting coffee every freaking morning. Speaking of freaking, uh, this is an uncensored podcast, meaning I will be cursing probably throughout the show. So if you have sensitive ears or kids around or anything else, put in your earbuds, noise-canceling headphones, or just make sure you're alone in the car or wherever you listen to this show. You could follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mance on Twitter. The Jeff Mans, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right, today's episode, I'm riding solo. So no guests today. We'll recap some week four. We'll look ahead to week five. But you know what? After the four weeks, it's what I want. What I want to do is to, I have a lot planned for this episode. So who knows how long this is going to end up being at the end of it. There is at least 11 items on my call sheet and what I want to accomplish. So we'll try to get to most of it. I really want to talk a lot of strategy with you guys. One of the things that I don't get to do on the XM show because of you know, promo reads and commercials and you know everything that we're doing and phone calls, which is all important on the radio, of course. I, I want to, we got to dive in and I want to talk daily fantasy sports and I want to talk sports betting with you on this episode. Okay, and then whatever I don't get to, I'll do it next week on the program too. So it'll be fine. Um, so that's, and I got some good things for you. I really do. I, I think this one's going to help a lot of people out, um, especially if you've been struggling. But even if you've been successful, I think there's always, you know, Michael Jordan always used to go to the gym and start out with free throws. You know, he'd shoot 100 free throws, 100 free throws, 100 free throws. And, you know, Jordan was pretty 
damn good free throw shooter, but he always polished up his skills, right? Uh, the fadeaway jumper was great, but he worked on it constantly to keep it great. And I think these are skills that whether you are doing well in your leagues, in daily fantasy football, or in betting on football, you can always use a polish. So uh, we got that going on. Real quick, week four recap. You know, gr- another good week. I feel like it's pretty good. Now, here's here's the thing. I have a unique perspective, and I realize this. I, I, I'm going to tell – I talk to Ted Schuster all the time. He's my best friend, friend in the world. And, uh, you know, he, he and Ray Flowers, uh, great friends, coworkers. They're on the XM show with me and, you know, all, all that good stuff. And Ted's the Ted's fun to talk to because he frustrates the hell out of me. Ray gets it because Ray does all this work and stuff. Ted does a lot of work, too. But it's different. And Ted is one of those guys, when I talk to him, it's very much like talking to a listener or a customer because it's he does he has the perspective of what worries him. Right? He thinks this about this play. He doesn't look at every single item and collect it. And I think that. You know, my recap articles on fantasyguru.com, right off the bat, first thing I do is look at the point scorers for the week because we get really busted up, really pissed, frustrated, agitated. We get mad about our performances and our players' performances, our team's performances, DFS and betting. We get mad, but we do it without the perspective of looking around at what else has happened. And one of those things I've been talking about – and screamed about it for three months straight, four months straight. We started in May, the preseason fantasy football coverage. We said, fuck it. We're just going to start doing football. You know, baseball is a lost cause at that point. Um, or nobody was interested. Not lost cause. Love baseball. Nobody's interested. I don't know what to do. I just want to go where you guys want to, you know, whatever you guys want, I'll do. So talked about the, the changing of the guard. Running backs are old school. Running backs are old hat. Running backs are mediocre fantasy producers. Look what the money is. Teams are trading massive assets to get wide receivers. They're investing massive contracts and money into wide receivers. Massive draft capital in wide receivers. You saw it. The A.J. Brown trade, the Tyreek Hill trade. We talked about the these deals throughout the Debo Samuels contract. Uh, going Devonte Adams, massive trade, right? All of these things. And meanwhile, what's the big running back deal? None, there's none, none fucking happened. Nothing. It's nothing. We'll go running backs in the first round. There's none. Nobody's interested. Nothing. So that tells you all you need to know. But unfortunately, and I heard this on a fantasy show. Um, I happened to catch some minutes of it during this week, actually just the other day. Somebody said, well, I guess we, you know, running backs just aren't what they used to be. And, you know, maybe we should start talking about that. And I'm sitting there like, motherfucker, I've been talking about that shit for two years. It you know, Last year, I noticed it before last season. And I was in on the wide receivers, tight ends earlier, you know, has to be the right running back in drafts in 2021. This year, I went full hog into it. So, man, at this point, I favor the receiver over the running back. Okay. And 
I think it's gone even further. And I, I'm pretty sure if it continues this way next year, we're going to be looking – who knows? But we should be looking at nine receivers in the first 12 picks as opposed to three that went this year, right? That's what we should be looking at because running backs are pushed in the back. So what I'm saying is that if you're struggling in your seasonal leagues or even DFS or even betting, for Christ's sakes, it's just don't expect so much out of your running backs anymore. There's no bell cows. None of them exist. They don't – doesn't happen. There are no must-haves. There are no – you know, for world changing running backs, there will be good ones in fantasy and they will lead you to a championship or perceived to lead you. But there's always a wide receiver, you know, around for all the Jonathan Taylor people last year, it was Cooper cup that most likely that was the combination. I saw a lot of led a lot of people to championships and Taylor was great, but broken down already going to miss week five. If so many problems with the top tier from McCaffrey to Henry to Cook and Eckler and everybody's. So some players that I invested in, Najee Harris, James Conner, um, those guys that haven't worked out to what I would like them to have already. I'm not mixing. I'm not that worried about it. I'm not worried at all. I told people um, the other day that I'm – every passing week I grow more and more confident in Najee Harris than I was the previous week. And I know that's weird to hear because he's not producing, but last week should have been two touchdowns. Those are two Najee Harris touchdowns. We all know it, but they, and I was in the man's cave discord at fantasyguru.com during the game, watching it with our subscribers as I do every Sunday Every Monday and Thursday, too. I'm always in there. So if you want to join the party, just hop in. Um, I said, Kenny Pickett's going to run. And I said this when they're on the like, 15-yard line. I'm like, yeah, Kenny Pickett rushing touchdown coming. They're like, whoa, hopefully it's Najee. I go, I wish it would be Najee, too. But I know the way this is going to go. They need, they need to justify Pickett. And think about it. If Kenny Pickett doesn't get those two rushing touchdowns, what does his afternoon look like? It's dog shit. Couldn't they really start him against Buffalo this week probably could, but it would have been a lot controversial. So they gave him those benefits. It sucks. No question to be a Najee owner and see him at running back 24 right now and be like, oh, fuck, this is not what we signed up for. But at the same time, the offense is going to move a hell of a lot better. You put though, if he gets those two touchdowns, which he rightfully would have got, he goes from running back 24 to running back 12. See, the jump, that's a massive jump, just like that. Austin Eckler went from running back 15 to running back three in a week. That's all it takes is one big week because running backs aren't producing at a high level. All right, so, you know, that I think is an important illustration and it's an important thing to know and understand. And as we look a little bit deeper into the uh, the scoring between which positions and where to be aligned. It's like, um, oh, the, the thing with one more thing with running backs is that, you know, the top scoring running backs, Barkley, Chubb, remember Nick Chubb, nobody wanted except us. 
That's it. We're we're the only site in the world endorsing Nick Chubb to the highest level. Loved him, and he is 0.4 points behind Saquon Barkley. And that's it. And you know what it is? It's basically the – and he's doing it with a lot less junk. 37 receiving yards to 107, six receptions to 15. It wasn't for – the four yards difference in rushing yards, Chubb would have the lead. And anyway, he's second. Uh, Eckler third. Now Edwards Alaire fourth. Christian McCaffrey fifth. McCaffrey, I'll hand it to him. Um, I had him at three percent ownership in GPP. Won me several thousand dollars this past weekend. And I don't even like the guy. And I thought, yeah, maybe he'd break down. But when you're going to give me him at three percent in a late game. In DFS, I'm going to take it. Jamal Williams, sixth. Josh Jacobs, who, again, we loved over at FantasyGuru.com, seventh. Derrick Henry, eighth. Miles Sanders, ninth. I did not like Miles Sanders. Doing way above what we thought. Aaron Jones, tenth, who we did love. James Robinson, never saw that coming, eleventh. And Khalil Herbert, twelfth. What was your top point scorers in fantasy football right now? Pierce, Patterson, Mixon, Fournette. Brees Hall, who we also love. Damien Harris, who we also love. All right in that mix. So while the top end guys like Najee and Mixon, Mixon 15th right behind Pierce, are struggling, you know, we've got a lot of those later round running backs that we didn't miss on, thank God. And I think those are the players that are going to be key for us as we hit these bye weeks. Because when other teams, you play teams that, have mediocre running backs and there's a star running back, whoever that may be off. It's not going to take a lot. If they didn't invest in the high end wide receivers or didn't strike gold on somebody um, in the later rounds, we have the edge on them. So I'm confident going forward. Very confident with that. Javante Williams being injured is heartbreaking. It's one of those situations, man. And you know how to cope with it. You, you just need to learn that nothing can get in your way. Javante is one of my favorite players in football. Obviously, I'm very proud of the work I put into uncovering him. Um, nobody else or very few others wanted anything to do with him. He didn't even care. Got told Michael Carter was a better running back and all that. And uh, we put all that to bed. There's no more arguing that point. And what's the worst part about the Javante Williams thing is that Melvin Gordon had fumbled, not come back into the game. Javante was going to ascend. Before he went down, Javante Williams had a 58% snap share for the Denver Broncos. Okay, that backfield. I just want – I know I see the people taking victory laps and taking victory laps on injuries. It kind of fucked up. You know, if it's McCaffrey, if it's, uh, uh, fuck, I, you know, any other injury prone player and you purposely avoid him because of injury, totally understand. Yeah, I, I think you can victory lap it. But a guy who's never been hurt in his freaking life, you're going to victory lap. Give me a break. Just a, just a shitty thing. Anyway, 58% of the snaps for, um, Javante Williams in that Broncos backfield, right? Melvin Gordon before the injury was, or yeah, Melvin Gordon as of week four, 
33.2% of snaps. That's it. 148 snaps to 88. I mean, let that sit in. What's that? 50 more snaps? 60? 60 more snaps for Javante Williams than Melvin Gordon? Fucking Mike Boone was closer to Melvin Gordon than Melvin Gordon was to Javante. Just it just sucks. I mean, Javante was our guy, and he would have led us where we wanted. Now he's gone, so somebody else has to do it. Nothing slows this train. Nothing stops our destiny, which is to win fantasy football championships. I don't, you know, with the Denver backfield, I don't love Mike Boone at all. Latavius Murray being in there, I think Latavius Murray will take some away. In Week Five, it'll be the Melvin Gordon Mike Boone show. And going forward past that, I don't trust any of it. I don't know if there will be a favorite. I think it'll be a three-headed monster and whoever does the best. It legitimately could be Latavius Murray, which if I'm handicapping it, if I wanted to bet on it, I'd bet on the longest shot because he costs the cheapest. So that's where I'm at on that one. Cordero Patterson going down. Remember, Damian Williams is back in week six. So you're going to get one week out of Tyler Algier, and I have a feeling it's going to be Damian Williams being the, let's call him 51% share running back for the Falcons for the next three weeks when Cordero Patterson is out. So be careful with your Algier bids as well. And Naheem Hines will have a a good run in week five, although I expect Philip Lindsay to be the game that game may be over by the time you guys are listening to this, but it had, you know, it's Wednesday night when I'm recording this. Um, Lindsay and Hines will carry the load here, but I don't expect Jonathan Taylor to be out long. He's a warrior. So, uh, so there you go. couple of, you know, we've talked last episode about buying and selling um, like talking about that. I went on the XM show and did some buy low players. I want to talk real quick. A team that I'm buying are the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love everything that we're seeing out of them. We're seeing the emergence of Trevor Lawrence. It's a long season. Anything can happen, but the defense has been most unbelievable. I am most impressed by that defense. But when you have that kind of defense playing at that high level with the skill position, raw skill position players that they have with a quarterback in his, that is the all-world prospect that Trevor Lawrence is and was, in year two, this is a real dangerous team. Be careful. Don't bet against them, man. And Vegas is realizing it too. It's seven point favorites. You know, this is a game that Houston, it may be a pick 'em game or one point, two point, two and a half point spread uh before the season. Whereas now it's seven, seven and a half in favor of Jacksonville um for week number five. So I'm buying on, on Jacksonville. That is for sure. Uh, teams that I'm selling, I think just talked about the Broncos. It starts with the coaching. I don't hate, I love Cortland Sutton. I don't hate buying low on Russ Wilson. Don't hate that. Because it's got to get better, especially with no running game now. But overall, I, I just look at this team like, man, they've got so many problems. And all the potential at every position it all goes by the wayside with poor, horrendous, awful coaching. And that's why I spend my entire offseason building the coaching breakdowns, which, by the way, for 20 bucks, 
fantasyguru.com. You have access to all of it. You get the draft guide, all the shit that we talked about, all the charts and graphs or positions. You can learn all about these teams, all about the coaching. And I didn't shit on Nate Hackett nearly as much. I didn't, wasn't my favorite hire, um, but was pretty clear on what they wanted to do offensively and defensively. And didn't like the defense side of it, by the way, on the record. Offensively, I thought they were, especially with Russ, thought they would give Russ more autonomy. And maybe they do going forward. But at this point, it's been just shit. So I'm selling them. I'm selling the Colts. I don't buy anything with the Indianapolis Colts. Picked, I thought they would be the easiest division winner. I'm horrendously wrong on that one right now as well. So those are some buy teams and some sell team wise. And you could filter that into all the players as well. Uh, oh, I want to get back to the scoring breakdown for you. So went through and, you know, a little perusing of the fantasy football landscape right now through four weeks. I think it's a good time to kind of gauge. All right, where are we at? Any one week doesn't matter any over, but the collection of four weeks is a good start to our data processing and, and sort of our, wide angle view of the landscape this uh this season and through four weeks uh when you look at the top 10 performers top 10 fantasy point scorers right five of them are quarterbacks it's not a surprise four of them here's the thing four of them are wide receivers two are running backs now immediately there's a handful of you and you're my favorite people that will say, man, that's 11 people in the top 10, you fucking idiot. And the p- problem is Chubb and Jefferson are tied at 85.6 points. <laughs> so I gave them both the win, right? One over the other, over the Adam, whatever. So I gave them both the win. It's the same for the top 10. And obviously in top 20, just so I went through the, you know, the top 60 overall. Um, so what does that tell us? Top 10. Here's what it tells me. And I, I, something else that we'll never get credit for going into the season, and that's the elite quarterback strategy. I think when all everything else falters, and I, so I have five teams, I have 17 leagues in which I'm managing actively. I had an eliminator league, which, by the way, I'm out. I got knocked out of my eliminator this week. Fucking bullshit. And by the way, my eliminator team, let me go to it. I, I gotta go. I, I don't even have the computer open, by the way, for these podcasts. So I gotta, it, it's good. I need to uh, figure out where my, uh, uh, my team was pretty good, but it's the injuries just, just totally fucked me. And when you have got, you know, an eliminator guillotine league, and that's, you know, what will happen. And my team had Cortland Sutton and um, AJ Brown who had a down week and oh, Amon Ross St. Brown that was down. Javante Williams that went down. Jonathan Taylor that got hurt. It, that one Leonard Fournette who did dog shit as well. And uh, uh, oh, I had Tua and Daniel Jones and this. And I mean, what are you going to do? So I got knocked out in that one. So, uh, but I do have 17 teams. Out of them, I have five teams that are 4-0. And I'm not a strong, come out of the gate, strong fantasy player. I am completely the opposite. I'm a closer. That is what I do, close. 
All right, so I don't give a shit how I start. If you have one win in your seasonal fantasy league, you're you are on in route to a championship. You are on the level. You are right where you need to be. One win out of the first four. That's all you need. If you're ahead of that, you're way ahead. Four wins, you're fucking golden. Right? Because we want to only build and get better. So it's been a good start. And I'll tell you the difference. I you know what? I, I should have went through all my leagues. Now I'm reg- now I'm regretting that and total up. I do that usually after four weeks, and I haven't done it yet this week. Um but I'll tell you, uh, me, I'll I'll say it on the XM show Thursday or Friday um, for the podcast listeners that also listen to XM. The I'm doing really well in seasonal to start, which is almost worrisome. But and the reason is, it, it's some of you. There's a lot of people this time of year that wanted to try. Oh, you, fuck you! Your analysis sucks. Core four didn't hit. You know all these little things. But the problem is, you you have to. Be fair. If you want to criticize me as an analyst, you fair to do so. Do it. However, you got to take everything into account. You got to understand who is there another person in the world, quite honestly, that does full time seasonal fantasy analysis and daily fantasy analysis and NFL betting analysis and NFL data analysis and broadcasts a show at six days per week. If you want to factor in that chats with his customers and patrons over at Fantasy Group, that's 100% nobody does that. So I need to win at every single level. Otherwise, I will get the hate I get will come at me from... And if I missed on some stuff in seasonal, I absolutely. My saving grace has been the elite quarterback. I told you this year, I just sniffed this one out. I felt that going with a primo quarterback, right? Primo quarterback is going to, was going to be a good strategy and a profitable strategy this year. And that has been a hundred percent because I'm telling you, I have a lot of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is sixth in scoring overall this year. And I in the leagues I don't have him, I've got Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is fourth on this list. That, and by the way, one of the, one of these is at least one team with Josh Allen. That's my high stakes league. Oh, and a Lamar Jackson is number one. So, yeah, I have those quarterbacks. I mean, throughout, with Mahomes being easily my most highly owned quarterback. So when and that's been my saving grace, the quarterback position. We need as a society, as an industry, to stop ignoring the fact that quarterback understand that you could wait on quarterbacks. And that's been the right thing to do for a decade, right? You don't need to pay up for quarterback. But I think we've come full circle and are back to where I came of age in the late 90s, early 2000s with guys like. Brett Favre and Steve Young and, you know, those type of players that just were so fucking profound that they almost, John Elway, they led you to championships. And I think it's similar. I think it's very similar. And you don't have to, the fact that you don't have to, you're talking about my quarterbacks are sixth, fourth, first and second in total points. 
majority of my quarterbacks, probably I am guessing 13, 14 of my teams, those are my quarterbacks. And it's doing extraordinarily well, even while Najee Harris, Mixon, um, Montgomery being hurt. Um, who are my some of my other high and uh running backs that I own? Um I did get Pierce a lot. Whatever. The, the misses at, at running back, you know, I'm doing fine. Just keep trudging. I think that if you are struggling and you are pissed off at your running backs, which most of you are at this point, okay? By the way, I have a lot of Nick Chubb too, so I guess, you know, whatever. Um, What I want is for you to look at your quarterback. Who's your quarterback on these teams? All right. And now if you're, if you answer that question with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes, ruh, 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 ruh. we got Robert George. If you answer that question, Justin Herbert, I say, all right, just hold on. You're good. Herbert, you know, that game against basically he's only played two and a half real games. Not two and three quarters um, of football this year. This year, a little underwhelming, but Herbert has—we turned it on late in the season. Each of last two, you'll be fine. That's where I want. So when we expand top point scorers to the top twenty, nine of them are quarterbacks, right? Nine quarterbacks on top twenty, six wide receivers, four running backs. One tight end. Notice no tight ends in the top 10. Only one in top 20 in that person's name. You remember my name. Travis Kelsey, of course. Right? Top 30 point scorers, 11 quarterbacks. All right, now we're starting to see it like slow down. It was a pretty big jump. Five, nine, top 20. Nine guys. Now, let's go back to quarterback for a minute because, you know, I told you about those. You know, I think it's easy to argue then. All right, Jeff. Well, sure, you got the primos and those are your quarterbacks. Big deal. I still am very solid and secure with my quarterback. I, I, I you know, you're you're safe and secure with it. Okay, fine. But here's the thing. Most of the, you don't have golf, Geno Smith, Carson Wentz, Tua, Russell Wilson, which are five of those 11, right? Maybe you got Kyler Murray or Burrow, which by the way, Burrow was in my premium quarterback tier, but I will not count him because ADP was not at that point. But if you got those two, okay, you, you, one of the, you had two opportunities so far to get the premium production or a real good production, we'll call it. Because, you know, the premium, though, that's a 30-point difference. When you go from Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson, you're talking 30 points in four weeks. That's fucking – that's a boatload, bro. The fucking boatload. Nine points a game, ten points a game, just about. So, all right. Top 30, 11 quarterbacks, seven running backs, ten receivers, two tight ends okay top 40 14 quarterbacks quarterbacks but also now we got 14 wide receivers they caught them they got them 
nine running backs, three tight ends. Feel like three fairies and a partridge and a pear tree. That's what I feel like. Top 50, 18 quarterbacks, 17 receivers, quarterbacks, grab the lead back. 12 running backs, 12 running backs in the top 50 of fantasy point scorers. What does that tell you, man? And, and by the way, those running backs are Edwards Alaire, Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders. I'll, I'm counting Jacobs as something people would have called, even though we're the only people on earth that li- liked him. James Robinson and Cordero Patterson. Five of the 12 were, were sixth round or later guys. Complete throwaways. And if we expand it one more, Khalil Herbert, completely gone. Damian Pierce, top 14. You have seven, half of the top 14. We're not even thought about running backs. Stop drafting them early. Still three tight ends. Top 60, still 18. Okay, we stopped. The quarterback growth has stopped. 18 there, 23 wide receivers, 16 running backs. Got a little jump there, and still only three tight ends. Okay, so what does this tell us? Well, the quarterbacks, the elite are the most important. All right, the elite are most important. You can, if you want to start, you know, start doing the percentage. You want the best chance of having a top 10 performer grab an elite quarterback. Why? Because you have 50% chance. Right, it's because it's five out of ten. When you go to the top twenty, now you're talking about whatever nine out of twenty percent. Um, obviously less than fifty, forty-five percent, eleven out of thirty, roughly thirty percent, fourteen out of forty. See how it thins out. And wide receivers, kind of, you know, they kind of thin out a little bit, but they grow. Four out of ten. 6 out of 20, 10 out of 30, 14 out of 40, 17 out of 50. So that's the takeaways there. Quarterback, secure position, wide receivers and running backs, wide receiver over running back. And then tight ends. Let's look let's talk about tight end for a second. Do you fucking understand? And this goes I want to talk to my DFS subscribers that tilted on my ass this week. I missed on Andrews on FanDuel. I did have Hawkinson in for you in DraftKings. But you you guys got to give me a fucking break. TJ Hawkinson scored over 50% more points than he had combined the first three weeks. And he did it at an 80% ownership, which is the highest ever. It is one of those freak things that happened. TJ Hawkinson went from tight end 15 to tight end three in a week. Okay. But having Kelsey and Andrews is a cheat code in fantasy football. It's just a cheat code. There are no people. Like I said, one in the top 20, two in the top 30. Those are Andrews and Kelsey three now in the top 40. And that that's Hawkinson because he just jumped up and he'll fall this week. Three in the top 40, three in the top 50, three in the top 60, because there are no people. During the course of a season, having one of those two performers is a cheat code. Elite quarterback, elite tight end. Help your team out. So many late-round running backs, so many late-round receivers. 
to build your team around. That can help you. All right, there we go. Um, let's look at some DFS strategies. I've got a lot of strategies to give to you um, this week as well. Let's talk DFS tips and tricks, if you will. Uh, something I wrote in the cash game breakdown over at fantasyguru.com this week. I did, did I yell at you? Yeah, I kind of yelled a little bit. I wasn't as mean as I was last week. Um, but here's the deal. As an analyst, I don't, there's two things I, I don't want to do. I don't think this is fair. I don't think it's fair for me. Um, I'm a wealthy person. Okay. And I, I started writing this in the cash game breakdown. I took it out because I thought it sounded too narcissistic, but fuck it. It's one man's opinion. It's my podcast. I would say what's the truth is. Truth is that when I was a struggling DFS player, a struggling fantasy player, um, I felt like I was a good analyst. And as a player, I actually won high stakes leagues. WCOF, a couple of those. Never the overall. I just won the league. I didn't win. I never go for overalls. I just don't. And I don't even consider them. It's great if you can get it. Fuck the people that do. Godspeed, baby. Um, but I started playing DFS like in 2009, 2010 when it wasn't a thing. It was Snapdraft. For, uh, used to had a link on Roto World back in those days. And then it was a site called Fantazzle. And then FanDuel. And then DraftKings. Uh, like, I don't, people don't know. I used to have the CEO of DraftKings on my podcast in 2010 um, from his apartment building, Jason Robbins. Like we used to do hits on that, promoting them and all that kind of shit. Now they're, you know, billion dollar company and kudos to them for doing it. Same with FanDuel, although FanDuel was always uppity and didn't want to come on and do any podcast shit. Anyway, but I was a, a struggling player. I lo was a losing player. I tell the story all the time. My wife, being like, hey, man, what the fuck with these credit card? What are you fucking doing? You know, deposit, 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 deposit. It's a losing player. And I, I remember being not wanting to blame myself. It couldn't have been myself. It was all the everything else. It was injuries. It was this person told me the wrong thing. And everybody thought that this and that. And all It was always an excuse. I was lying to myself. It wasn't true. It wasn't the content. It was the partial truth, which we all do to tell to make ourselves feel better. It can't be your fault, right? Why would we take the blame? We're great people. My mommy, daddy told me I'm special. My butthole smells like, um, you know, beautiful rose petals. Okay, cool. Well, fact of the matter is you got to take some personal responsibility. I managed that when I, I had a second mortgage on my house. When I left my government job, my wife and I, I was driving, by the way, I was a wealthy guy. Um, I drove huge, you know, uh, Cadillac Escalade, ESV, you know, I, I, I was, I sold a company to GE. I was pretty well off and I was a poor motherfucker my entire life. And I had a little bit of money that I thought was a lot of money. I spent like an idiot in those days, back in the early 2000s, I launched this company, I put tons of my own money into the scout fantasy football thing. And that failed. And I was getting paid a couple hundred dollars a month for like four or five years at fantasy alarm. I wasn't making any money, like not real money. I was working the other job. So I took a leap of faith and it wasn't until I became truthful with myself about my play 
and stopped competing with other people that I did that and devised just to, you know what? I'm just going to play it the way it's supposed to be played. Invest the least amount of money possible in the most secure uh, contest possible, 50-50s. Get really good at those and then branch out from there. And that's what I've done. I did that and it's a tried, it's a true system. And it's been, it. I've won way over seven figures and sit before you a very wealthy person. Um, That's it. I can afford whatever the fuck I want. Like anything. And it's all because of DFS. And you know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of other people in the space that basically, so I make a good living um, from the fantasy side, from the business side. Okay. Uh, I make good salary and all that, but it's nowhere near <laughs> what you th- what my overall income is. Right. I mean, it's good compared to the average American and, you know, but it's right on par with what I was making in the government and shit. So, but I think a lot of other folks in our space use the subscription base system, use customers' money to fund their DFS play and chasing the dream of winning a Millie Maker or something else. I don't think that. I know that. We worked with people here that did that exact. They took every fucking piece of their salary and dumped it in trying to chase this thing. It was the saddest thing on earth to see. I, since I've not been about that for over a decade now, I have not, well, no, no, about eight years. I have not been about that. I've been, I've vowed to myself and to our customers that I will act as if your every last dollar you have is the last dollar you have on earth. Whether that's true or not, some of you are way wealthier than me. Some of you maybe not. Some of you are right on par. It, it, but as an analyst, I can't look at it that way. I need to look at it like every dollar means something. Okay. And based on the chat rooms and discord, you see it. People freak out. And I'm like, I mean, they call me names and for one 24 hours on Saturdays, they're praising me, begging me for advice and help. Then 24 hours later on Sunday, if those players don't hit and everything doesn't work out, they absolutely scald me as if I'm the dumbest fucking human being on earth. It's a tough thing to take. And it's made me question. It's like, why am I doing this? Why, for real? Like, I don't need this garbage. I don't need you fucking assholes telling me I'm a, I'm a shitty analyst. I'm the one that gets four hours sleep a night. You guys are fucking not doing that. I'm the one figuring out coverages and blocking schemes and all this shit that nobody else will do that kind of work and putting coaching systems together expanding the horizons from seasonal to daily to betting to data coming up with my own metric systems. You fucking kidding me? I don't have to do any of that shit. So doing it for people to help people. Cause if I did it, I know others could. And there's been hundreds, if not thousands of customers. There are, so, you know how many people uh, someday, man, someday, and I, again, I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but I, you know how I many people were customers with me at 
Fantasy Alarm, and then me at Guru Elite, and us at Guru Elite, shouldn't say me, it should say us, that now run their own companies? I mean, we took them from struggling players. like a, Now they're running their own businesses and doing this full-time and shit. Hell, I think three seventy-five percent of the industry are former guru elite DFS people. That and that's great. I'm proud of that shit. But you need to understand that if you were struggling and if it's a money issue, you can play for free. Just play for free. Get the skills sharpened. It pisses you off when I say that. Why would I pay for a subscription? Why? Why do you pay for a new glove or a new bat or any kind of, you know, or basketball, new shoes or whatever the it is that you need in a in competitive environment sport that would help you sharpen your skills? Why do you do any of that? But once you get the skills sharpened, once you know this shit, again, you won't you won't need us. You don't. You won't. There is a graduation process in here. And sometimes a lot of people hang on because they like the camaraderie. They like the group. And I love that. That's awesome. That's not going to be necessary. But the thing is you don't think about it in those terms once you're successful at it. And you don't think in terms of oh, I've lost two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. And you just keep going. You keep doing the same thing because you know, the results are going to be there. You just have that confidence that, is the thing I can tell those of you that are confident, know what you're doing. And those that are just guessing every week. And I catch you on it every time I'll say, show me your lineup. And you show me a lineup and it's got David Njoku and fucking Isaiah McKenzie. And it's like, dude, I, not only did I not talk about those players, I didn't even reference them at any point in any form. And I do a hundred chats and videos and live streams and radio shows and podcasts and I'm in discord and articles and rankings and projections at no point did some of these parts ever exist in my universe. And they're the ones you're using. And then you blame me. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm my fault. You did that. And good. You know, if you want to go on your own, good, do your own stuff and take some of the advice, but that, no, you know, I don't get a 50% of the blame or 100% of the blame, right, for that. So play for free. There's free on every site. Play for free. Put yourself in the best contest. Well, I want to win the millionaire maker. Yeah, I know you do. That's not, I'm not the right guy for that. I don't want, I don't even want to be associated with it. We had two subscribers in the top 40 of a an 800,000 person contest, the Millie Maker on DraftKings this past week. And we were sweating with them. One of them had a, they were against each other, but they had a legitimate chance. And I think was the odds on favorite for a good portion of the second games that fell short, end up in like 38th or something, which is still a hell of a good payout for it. But, you know, not the Millie. But I mean, even with that, it takes so much and it's just not, if you're doing that for fun and for the pipe dream, I'm all about it. Do it for the pipe dream, but the pipe dream, you don't play the lottery. 
And then you go into the gas station the next day, start knocking shit over and pissed off because you you look how fucking ridiculous you would look. Well, that's what I get in Discord sometimes or on Twitter. These fucking heathen animals fun come out of nowhere and start screaming because they don't win the fucking million dollars. Insane to me. Get your skills sharpened. Do it better. If you're not winning free contests, you shouldn't be in paid contests. If you want to learn your craft and hone your skills in paid competition, that is your responsibility. Do it. And do it for a dollar. Right? Do it for $2. Do it something that's manageable to you. But do it in an environment that when you lose that money, whether, I mean, a player can go down at any fucking time. There is, life will not be good for you. It's not going to work out the way you want. Oh, how could a player go down? This It's what happens, man. You got to be prepared for it. Only put in play what you could afford to lose. Everything you get back is bonus. If it doesn't work, you go back to it. If it doesn't work, then you go back to it. Why do you go back to it? Because you know you got it. How do you know you got it? Well, because you've won. You've won the free contest. You've won 60 plus percent of your 50-50 contests over an extended time. Then you just ramp up and ramp up and ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. And then you can go to the moon. You could put $10,000 in play knowing that you're going to get $28,000 back or $18,000 back. So you're going to put in 10 to win eight. Fine. Fine. You fine for you because you know that return's coming. And if you lose that 10 grand, then you put another 10 grand in the following week. You know, then you put another one in. Why? Because then you're going to win eight and eight and eight and eight and eight. If you're not at that confidence, then you shouldn't ever let it extend. Don't let the money be your downfall. Be more frustrated that you don't win just because you're addicted to winning than you are anything about the money angle. Because you you're not you don't have to do that. Work on your contest selection. Play in contests that offer you the best chances to win. 50-50 contests. 50% of the field. Like every fantasy league, if you had finished in the top six, if you won a championship for being in the top six, would you be able to do it? 90% of you are like, fuck yeah, I could do that. It's not a problem. I could easily do that. Right. Same thing for DFS. But first admit that you don't got all the answers. First admit that you need to build better lineups. And you need to prove yourself a little bit before you start get going out and spending money you don't have yet on Daily Fantasy. Right? So those are some tips there. Um Man, I knew I was never going to get to all these strategies. Let me talk about betting here a, a little bit because we had a real good week in betting, and that's another angle. Um, I know I'm bragging a bunch, but, you know, I feel like I have to because I feel like I torn to shreds on Sundays by people on Twitter and even in our Discord where I'm just fucking booting people. Like, if you can't handle yourself, then don't just don't get the fuck away from me. I don't really want to be part of your existence. If you can't emotionally handle yourself and we have a be cool method, 
right? There's times in our Discord, people are posting, I don't know, post pictures of boobs or post pictures, dicks. I don't know why you guys are doing that. It's fucking weird, right? Just be cool. If you want to talk a little bit provocative stuff and curse, that's all cool. The problem is when everybody gets out of hand, acts like an asshole, and then we have to shut the whole fucking thing down because somebody else can go bitch and complain and fucking look at what happened. So I get torn apart with some of this shit. Meanwhile, this has been a great start to the season. Out of So there's been four weeks of DFS, right? So, and I play on three sites every week. I endorse three sites every week. I put information, including core four lineups into every three sites every single week. Okay, so four weeks, three sites, 12 opportunities to win, 12 profitable, 12 chances to profit in cash games. Cash games only, by the way. I have won 10 of those 12. That's really good in DFS. The other two were the cash games on FanDuel that I did not win. Both times, one in GPP. How the fuck does somebody do that? They do that because they know what they're doing. I don't need anybody arguing with me. I've got it down. I know. Just fucking follow me. Trust me. Don't be an asshole to me. And I won't be an asshole to you. That's what I'm about. I'm about sports betting. I'm about my leagues, I told you. 5 and 0 or 4 and 0 in five different leagues. Um I am 44 and 30 in um in betting right now I'm up 13.17 units. The last in 5 years I've published bets uh, for the NFL publicly 60.6% winning percentage. I didn't keep track of units in 2018. But my overall record was 58, 32, and 2. The following year, up 9.72 units in 2019. 2020, up 16.02 units. Last year in 2021, I was up 59.6 units. Starting to get a hang of the shit. Sports betting. So I don't do many things that I don't have confidence in. And I'm not good at. If I'm not good at, it, I just give up. I would have given up a, a shit a long time ago. I'm good at NFL betting. I'm not good at others. I have hot streaks in baseball. I've had hot streaks in college basketball somehow. But I would never, ever trust my bets. Baseball, I, I'm not gonna. I'll be all right. I would never trust any of my other bets. All right, because just unproven. But um. When it comes to betting, so this past week, 4-0 on the four or core four NFL bets, uh, two and two in the prop bets, um, on the show, on the site overall, I was 12 and six uh, overall, because I was fucking two of those six losses on Monday Night Football. Bullshit. Um, fucking Debo. Got Debo a touchdown, didn't get the rushing yards. I was bad, bad. I should have bet that different. But anyway, so if you're trying out sports betting and that 
it's a very similar process to DFS. But with betting, here's what I want everybody to do. Stop betting everything and stop focusing on one bet at a time. Win one game at a time. One bet for the week. You know how much there's a $6 million survivor pool from Circa that we do every year at Fantasy Guru. And you see our bets. Uh, the Siege controls uh, most of that, and he's the one that enters it for us through a proxy and all that shit. So, And we're still in, by the way. And 80% people are already out after four weeks. We're still in. But you see how tough it is predicting one thing to go right. But here, that's what I – and back in – 2018, I was 58 and 32. The following year, I was 70 and 41. The following year after that, I was 77 and 47. So, and then, you know, and goes up from there. Um, oh, on the site, actually, then, yeah, 115 and 69 in 2020, 184, 131, and oh, last year on the site up to 59 units. Um, I was reading the five team parlay on the Sirius XM show numbers, but anyway, it noticed the amount of bets were very small five years ago. Very small. Couple bets a day, couple bets, couple bets, one bet, get one, right. Build from there. If you're the parlay King, figure out one game, single game parlay, one game, pick the spread and pick, the over under the game total nice and easy. Okay. Find the market for the prop bets and hammer it when you get to that point, but build toward that. Okay. Um, some other, you know, a little bit more advanced betting strategies. One of the things that I think helped me immensely a few years ago is when it comes to the spread, don't worry about the number nearly as much. Now, I have a couple bugaboos. I will not bet a three and a half, a seven and a half, or a ten and a half. I those are the most common differentiators in an NFL game. And I'm not I just mentally I can't take it. So that's my personal preference. It doesn't have to be yours. But the other thing is pick the winner of the game, and that's the spread you take. That's it. If you like the Bills this week, 14 points, take it. That's it. Just pick the winners again and you against the spread. That's it. Don't worry about it. It's so rare. It never happens. I don't have the exact numbers from this year, but it you there has not been it's like a 75% roughly winning percentage where if you just pick the winner of the game, you pick the right side on the spread. So don't worry about that as much. All right. The only time to really factor in the spread is where you love the underdog in that game. And then you take the points to be safe or you just say, fuck it and play the money line. Okay. That's how you make money. And I don't mind taking the spread, even if you think, you know, well, you maximize it. I know, just just pick winners. Just pick winners and build yourself like the 50-50s. Just get as much as possible on the plus side. 
and you will be profitable. The money will rain in. Again, don't try for those seven-leg parlays because that's all you see that. I'm on TikTok. Seven-leg parlay, seven-leg parlay, 17-leg parlay. I think the guy that didn't cash out, he had a 70,000, he had a 15-leg parlay, and he had hit 13 of it going into Sunday Night Football. Now, he had the Chiefs. And he didn't cash out. He, you know, seventy-two thousand to win, and they offered him like nineteen thousand, and he wouldn't take it. I think he was fucking out of his mind. You had a ten-dollar bet. Take your nineteen grand. Shut the and the fuck, just fucking do that. But it's greed that gets to people, and he won that one. Holy shit! All right. Well, then they offered him twenty-seven thousand, which they should have got. They should have gave him more. The right way, I think that was about a 35. He had one leg of the parlay. They should offer him like $37,000, $40,000, I think. You know, it was one game to go, but it was a close game. 49ers and Rams going into it. And he defied logic and did not cash out. And he lost the fucking bet. So, yeah, we lost $10. Yeah, but he really lost at least 27000 which is what the final offer before the Monday night game is. If you want, if you have money in hand, if you bet $10 and they're like, well, I'll give you a 27,000 for it. Just take that 27,000. What you could have done is just done a fucking two team parlay the following week for $20,000. Just bet more money, but you only need two things. And then you would get your 70,000. And then if you lost that bet, Guess what? You still have seven thousand dollars for your ten dollar bet. You could still you. It's the number one thing poor people don't recognize that rich people do is once you get the money, use the money to build more. You don't need the maximum amount. Just take the big windfall of money. Take that cash. DFS. We constantly take the 50-50 double ups and use that to then attack the GPP market. And betting the same way. Take the cash out. If you make heroic bets like that, take the money that's free. Use it for your future bets. Build on it, but use it so that you don't go broke. So that you make 14 game calls, 14 out of 15, and to all you have to show for it is losing $10. That's that's fucking awful decision-making. I know I... Don't give a fuck what any of these people that claim they're analytics experts and claim that that's the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do. Take the money. One last betting thing. I love this idea, and I want to do this. We'll check in on it for next week. So it's called the zigzag strategy. And have you heard of this in betting? I'm enamored by it because I think it's – I hate chasing. As you guys know, I think chasing is just off. Everybody's a bandwagon jumper. Everybody wants to chase last week's performance, the last big thing they saw, yada, yada, yada. So the zigzag philosophy is simple. It's where you take a team that lost and didn't cover the spread versus a team that won and did cover the spread the previous week. You see what that does just emotionally and mentally? People teams that want to cover the spread the previous week will just be bet on very heavily the following week. That happens all the time. But 
the most interesting thing about the zigzag is that for one, it's one fifty-eight percent of the time. This philosophy in NFL betting has won fifty-eight point one percent of the time since twenty ten. It has not. If you bet every single game, every single opportunity to zigzag from two thousand and four, it has not had a losing season. It's been fifty point eight percent or higher every single year, sometimes in the 70% success rate. I'm sorry, 60%. I read that wrong. 60%. Since 2004, it's almost 20 years, teams that lost and didn't cover the spread, you bet on them versus the teams that won and covered. Now, let's put this to the test a little bit. All right. There are eight teams that follow this this year, this week. By the way, there were four last week and all four won. So um, I w- I just want to test this out, okay? Tampa Bay minus eight at home against Atlanta. That's number one. Miami minus three on the road against the New York Jets. The Cleveland Brown plus Cleveland Browns plus three against the Chargers. Eek. I don't like that one, but that's one of the zigzag. Carolina Panthers plus six and a half at home this week against San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. Baltimore Ravens minus three on Sunday night football at home against the Bengals. Washington Commanders, plus two. Once again, another team at home against the Tennessee Titans. And then you got the Rams, minus four and a half. Obviously, didn't cover last week. That should be done against the 49ers. So the Rams at home against Dallas, minus four and a half. So there you go. Those are the teams. I'm very curious on how this winds up going. But the zigzag philosophy, I love it. I just really, I just really like it. I like, I think that we are, our culture is such a herd mentality. We all just flock to the same thing, the same views and the same beliefs and the same, same, the same. And we just group and we all feel better if we're part of the herd. It's something I've never wanted to be, probably because I grew up with monsters. <laughs> I love my family, but they're monsters. And, you know, I love them to death, but my God. And I knew that I'm like, I just don't want to do these things. They're not working out. I would love to be like my family. I just don't want to, I don't want to have the same results that they're having because I don't like the results. So I'm going to, they're doing this. I'm going to go do this. And that other thing has always seemed to work out for me. And that's the zigzag idea. It goes back to, if you notice, this whole episode has been about zigzag. Everyone's drafting running backs. We're going to go receivers. Everybody waiting on quarterbacks. We're going to draft elite quarterbacks. Everybody waiting on tight ends, picking from the pool. We're going to pay up for tight ends. Everybody playing the millionaire maker and the high, crazy high uh, DFS daily fantasy football contest. We're playing single entry 50 fifties. Everybody else plays for money and sweats out every last thing. We're going to play for free. Everybody going to bet on the team that just won and covered this past week. We're going to bet on the team that lost, didn't cover against those teams this week. 
That's what we're doing. That's where the profits are. Money is made by zigzagging. Money is made by doing the things that you don't feel comfortable doing because the, t- the people that are tough enough, and it's not many of us, not many of us have the will to actually look a majority of other people in the eye and say, you know what? I disagree. Aaron Judge should be the all-time record holder in home runs because the other guys were on steroids. I disagree. How could you disagree? They're on steroids. All right, then we'll take away all championships before 1947, before we're integrated. Oh, I can't do that. Well, okay, then, then that's my point. Everybody believes something doesn't make it right, and especially in sports. My God, in sports. So there you go. All right, I'm way over here. Um, Let's get to week number five. Uh, I just gave you all those fucking bets, didn't I? Just give you all those fucking winners. What's wrong with you? You sons of bitches. All right, let's go. Survivor team, if you haven't used the Bills yet, probably a good week against Kenny Pickett. Two touchdown favorites. They're going to smash them. No TJ Watt. If TJ Watt was here, I wouldn't touch that one, but he's not. Uh, if you need a backup, I think Tampa Bay. Mentioned in the zigzag bet that I think Tom Brady comes out guns blazing, man. The divorce, everybody making fun of him on the internet. This guy is going to be uh, fit to be tied. And I think the Bucks come out and win this one. Um, so that's the survivor bets. Favorite bet of the week right now, I'll tell you. Here's a zigzag for you. How many times have you heard about the Detroit Lions, including by me on Monday morning? Detroit Lions have scored the most points and given up the most points, 281 points, scored and scored against in the first four games, most in NFL history through the first four games. So naturally, they're going to go to New England, and they're just going to go way over. Everyone's betting the over. Shouldn't it be 56? That's way. Bet the under. Under 46 and a half, Detroit, New England. Belichick ain't playing this shit. Jared Goff on the road. Detroit's all sorts of banged up still. New England can't score anyway, even against shitty defense. Fuck that. Under 46 and a half. Upset of the week. All right, this is um, – the upsets are – sets are a little strange because, you know, um, I've actually been hitting on some of these. I, I thought I'd been doing – it feels like I'm not doing well two and two. You know, when you're picking upsets, it's not that bad uh, so far this season. The ones that I like the most, um, hmm, yeah, there's there's not many that I, I really love the upset side of it, honestly. I think Detroit's going to be a very popular one this week. Let me, I'm going to, I'll say this. I think it'll be, the uh, the upside of the week is the Browns over the Chargers. Uh, the Browns are just that weird team, man. As long as Miles Garrett and J- Davion Clowney come back, Chargers have problems on defense now. Offense line is banged up. If you get Clowney and Miles Garrett against that offense line, they're going to be putting a hits on Justin Herbert. He doesn't want to get hit right now, obviously with that broken cartilage in his rib cage. So give me the Browns over the Chargers as the upset of the week. All right, folks, remember to follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Hopefully you guys like this one with all the, um, the, the strategy talk and conversation 
and all the humble bragging or not so humble bragging as well. But sometimes I just got to put it in perspective. And the best way that I have is to give you my own life's journey and my own beliefs and what I've gone through. And hopefully that helps some of you and to navigate these waters and they're never going to be easier. It's never going to happen on the timeline that you want it to happen, but head over to fantasyguru.com. Remember just lowered our prices on seasonal daily and sports betting. Won't be another price lower for at least four more weeks. So get in whole month of October, the whole rest of the season over there. 50% off. Buy one, get one across the board. Buy DFS, get betting. And then it's still 20 bucks for the uh, fancy guru, the seasonal side. But you get uh, good information, rankings and projections and all the good stuff there as well. You may disagree with some or everything that you heard on today's episode. That's perfectly all right, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because it's just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Best of luck. Week five will be here next week. See you then. Deuces!